Welcome back to Solomon's Temple, section five of the mini-series I've been doing. I'm going to read from my paper still. Section seven, what is a soul? Defining the place in which a soul can be found can alter the way in which we pursue the deep mysteries of the truth of being alive. How, how we choose to conceive of where we look and observe in this task alters how we see life and the ultimate part of existence. Take the argument form, if a soul exists, it exists always in the chemical signal coming from the pineal gland. If I say that a soul exists, if I can see it, then I can't conclude about souls in argument form if what I am referring to cannot be seen or hasn't been conceptualized and therefore not realizable in conclusion. That does not mean that the soul can't be identified and thus rendered the negation of another conditional only existentially can be quantified and thus sufficiently negated on its own ground. If that is the case, then the pineal gland isn't the storehouse for seeing the soul. It merely sees psychological phenomena and receives nervous stimulus and secretes hormones that the brain interprets and the body metabolizes. But I can say the soul is a psychologically derived fact referred to through that very sense phenomena regarding this process. If a spirit exists, it must exist as an epiphenomenal vibration all throughout the universe, affecting all things in some way. That's the vehicle for it to affect us in our bodies and minds. I think, therefore, I am a thinking thing and a soul and a thinking soul that thinks of souls are a basic unit of vibrations and nervous responses and of chemical signals deep in the brain. Whatever it is, whether it exists or not, we pursue what is most central in the mind and body and move on accordingly to the whims of our own conceptual preference of where the seat of our central being is and whatever the, the uh, parameters of what the soul may be. Is it made up? Well, there is physical phenomena that we refer to when we refer to the soul. And I just gave you what Descartes was, which was the pineal gland. Moving on to section eight, section eight housing. How having a relator to knowledge is necessary to relate to one's success as a knower. In a word, the experience of now is separated by identity, not apart from the whole identity, but operates as the vessel of the state of being now, which they are choosing to live in. Identity that is determined is determined by the nature of psychological underpinnings. Call it alchemical networks, experience, forces, perceptions of feelings, neuronal activity. The very sensation of identity is present in the fields of mind and body that give us the dimension of self-awareness. How many awarenesses? That is a hard one to calculate. Whatever can be expressed counts as one account of being something. That puts a definite quality on how I am acting as a self in the context that everyone shares. It is consequently not sharing. These other selves are witness experience and learned by contact with the mind and all who have energy flowing throughout their heads and their bodies. So then often we are fronts and backs to ourselves without noticing most of the time and can often be equivalent while being scrutinized otherwise. An element of assuming a type of sameness exists across all lines of communication, prior, present, and onward. Does the forces of our inner worlds work themselves out and are therefore neither negotiable nor removable from the physical world, only understood as prevailing our mind, our worlds in so many possibilities? 
the interpretation of these identities is made, but active selves are only significant in that they act in their own way and are somehow regular and explainable through a pattern. As was described earlier in the discussions about the two sticks upholding one another by a union of forces interacting toward one another, and when one force isn't there, the stick falls. Flat has an any argument that can't work out due to the lack of presence able to give it an upright position, the nature of what makes initiation successful and understanding possible are of manifold inquiry and interpretation, but are certainly possible and accessible. If not accessible, then interpretation cannot know its possibility and is unable to uphold the reality. Moving on to section 9, feelings and aesthetics of singular and multiple things. Assertion of the term good or beautiful when applying descriptions are in a sense a creation of two elements or objects out of the standing one occurrence. Seeing that multiple answers from multiple people can determine that something is to be labeled and asserted as will always be accompanied with subjectivity of taste and appreciation, I think that it gives us the notion that it, it is multiple identities that give identities a singular, to singular things. So we falsely supply the singularity with a subjectivity, and I lose what is true unless I can sort the singular. It is as singular is based on my assertion that I can conclusively and necessarily place a proposition about what it is that constitutes an entity. My outward and external access to the person I am looking at is void of internal awareness from the one being observed, but it is in essence not at the mercy of the observer and is instead done by pure feelings summoned by the assertions of the person subjected to the external observations. Labeled bad when this certainly good and ugly when overwhelmingly beautiful says that the identity of an event or an object or even a person is held by many to be many things. What then is it to behold an event, object, or person and be singularly good or ugly or many other things? When can one thing be many things to many people? Can one thing be one thing to many people? And many things be many things to many people? And so on. What is it that gives us the capacity to deny any one label or deny many labels at all? It is impossible to locate just how conclusive one's description can be given many possible worlds and ways in which they can be described. If our prescriptions are based on selective external judgments and perceptions, then the outcome of conclusive and certain identifications will involve certainly a refutation and dissent from the oncoming missing selections that were not considered. This is the representative framing and the feelings and judgments of the realities of people, and in this way can wind up in such a buried obscurity that every possible world will labor on the maintenance of itself by virtue of another existing identity. By means of sensations of the personal experiences occurring within each individual mind, how can we identify what we are? Seeing that sensations arise collectively and are shared and interpreted, I'm inclined to say that people individually have a defined nature generated within their mind and transferred to others. So too does every individual that exists. Therefore, individuality occurs in everyone, but every individuality occurs in everyone as well, which means individuality is divisible and therefore only interdependently generated. Collectively, every individual quality shows through every individual, but it is only the specific kind of division that creates the mixture of the forces surrounding what interdepend and generates the individual identity. In a world of many identities, there must be some criteria to base itself on. Even if another reality can refute its being there, it can never refute it being there. 
It is as if the contents of what derives a part of sensing will always be an event that is qualified by its own sensations. I may think a blood-crying Mother Mary statue is a creepy thing to witness and would just think it's stupid that someone would do such a thing. On the other piece of the sensational spectrum, it's a miracle and a celestial beauty to behold, and many people rally. You may know why people see things the way they do, but still be unable to get one to become divided on their sense of being, because removing oneself from something that is taken on visibly is preeminently identified as impossible, so it is a sense of knowing what kinds of girls you think are sexier. Of course I think, feel and think the way I do because there is some reality making me this way. Sometimes we cannot make our minds up due to anything, and it's just a makeup of what exists with and without me. Made up identities and identities made of things and distinct objects. One is necessary, but both are presumed to be real. Facing miracles and existence requires a justification upon knowing what existence is to you. Being attracted to art or a person is a judgment of sight and of feeling and of situation. But one is a judgment of some other biological subjectivity that can be explained in a made-up psychological terms or in chemistry or in biological needs. Social constructive and behavioral models are even more subjective between biological, psychological, and that which belongs to the criteria of existence that is known by you somehow. Good luck agreeing among these terms.